anything like that. I'm a very confident front runner. I've had caddy for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. Um, how are we going to count all the shots? If you, I, I can't keep track. I don't think he's pleased. Of course you would. That's a, that's a particularly stupid question. It's the Irish Open. Of course you want to play at the weekend. Hello, Golf Weekly friends. You're very welcome along. There is much to discuss. We have Tiger Woods back in action. Uh, Tory Pines amongst a very strong field. We have the Dubai Desert Classic kicking off. We have Roy McIlroy talking about a few bits and bobs. And um, Adam Long, winner last year, as well as Shane Larry. Shane Larry, last in the list there, which isn't right at all. Nathan Murphy, hello. How are you? And guess who's in the studio? Peter Laurie. Hey Joe. How are you? Very good. Happy New Year. Exactly. Long time no yeah. see. Nice to be here. No, it's great to have you with us. So there's lots going on. I will ask you about your new venture. Don't okay. worry. But um, some bits and bobs firstly. We'll get to uh, tweets. Andrew Fitzgerald caught my eye. I just confirmed that Jim Bones Mackay is on the bag for Jimmy Walker this week. Get on Jimmy lads. Bones and his knowledge were two shots per round out there. Bones having a nibble back at the old caveat. Interesting. Very surprising, actually. I thought he fitted very well into the uh, uh, yeah. commentary role and stuff like that. So yeah, but is he getting? Is he happy? Is he getting three grand a week like El Toucan is for sitting in the commentary box? <laughs> I mean. There's a lot of talk about this El Toucan at this moment in time, isn't there? There is. Okay, is go he on two then. Two shots a week. Is, uh, is he worth two shots around? Uh, nobody's worth two shots around. Golfers hate to give credit to caddies, don't no, they? No, no. I'm the first to give credit to caddies. Trust me. Two I shots around is a lot now. Yeah. Eight shots a week. <laughs> uh, on uh, El Toucan and Matt Kuchar then. A uh, few people tweeting in. Owen Murphy, for instance. Kuchar, I always found the whole Forrest Gump act irritating. His club, the one Fionn visited, sounds like it could have inspired the movie Get Out. Hashtag friend of the pod. What did you make of the Kuchar story? Like anything, there's two sides to every story. Um, we've heard one in particular. Uh, we haven't heard the other side. But... If there's a deal to be done at the start of the week, you know, you do your deal at the start of the week, both of you sign and, you know, shake hands and say, right, this is what I'm paying you, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Whether we win, lose, or draw, um, that's what you're getting paid. Um, but under normal circumstances, it's very, very unusual for a caddy not to get 10% of the win. Um, now, there's a few guys out there that wouldn't pay it. I know one in particular finished second in the tournament because an amateur won the tournament but he got the full prize fund as in he got the winner's check Robert Rock? No, 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 no. Well, I, I, I wasn't going to, I, I wasn't going to I name have, names. I have, but what I was going to no, say no, is no, no, there's no, been no, only like four no, amateur winners okay. on the European yeah. Tour. Well, I, would, I was told not to mention any names. I can't believe so you You basically named the person. Yeah, well, it wasn't Robert Rock. So, so now, so now you're down to three. Now I'm going to get it down to three. Okay, but, let's um, go no further. So um, They did not pay the caddy that full 10%. Did they give him the 10% of the second place? Y no. Prize. 7.5%. Normally you give 10, 75 and, uh, and 5%. Okay. Now, some caddies work on a 10 and 8% if they're very good. So 8% of your normal. And was the golfer's logic that, well, I haven't actually won, even though I've got all the money because the person who's won it is the amateur, therefore I don't have to give you 10%? Correct, yes. That's fair enough. It's really? not really. You've won all the money. Well, it's... It's certainly fairer than what Matt Kuchar has done. No, that's true. Maybe he could turn around and argue, argue to the caddy, well, I don't have a trophy, I don't have the title. Was this his, and I don't have all the benefits of winning. I don't have all the exemptions into yeah, the yeah. various tournaments. So maybe it's fair enough. But 7.5%, 10%, not a big permanent, difference. permanent, full-time caddy? Yes. 
You see, that's the kind of difference because are you not stiffing yourself? Yeah, that's are a bad you, idea. Are you not creating a bad atmosphere? Well, these two guys were exceptionally close, and after that, they went, when, over a couple of weeks, went their different ways. I'm not surprised. Yeah. That was very short sighted. Was this, um, was this player one who needed the money? Uh, no. God, that's short sighted. Yeah. Very silly. But unfortunately, you know, as I said before, a lot of pros are as thick as this table. Yeah. But here, so on this specific case, you're saying you technically they agreed at the start of the week the fee was three grand, five grand, whatever it was. But El Toucan, I don't know how many times he has caddied on the PGA Tour. How aware is he when that agreement has been made of, oh, by the way, there's a chance if Kuchar wins here. Oh, he would have been he would have been fully aware, fully aware. Like I, I've had so many caddies in in South Africa, I've had so many caddies in Asia that would know exactly what the deal is. Mm. And you started the start of the week, and and actually the South African tour put up a notice uh, a board, you know, on the board to say, you know, make sure that you've done your deal with the caddy before the start, because they've had so many instances like this, where. A player comes down, especially a European tour player, comes down, mm-hmm. wins the tournament, and then doesn't pay the caddy the correct amount. And that's happened lots of times. So happening with Matt Kuchar is it, it it's you know it's come out in the press now mm. as oh this is you know it's, it's the first time it's ever happened. No, it's not. It's right. it, it's happened many many times. And would you have if you were using a temporary caddy, just somebody for the week? would you have given them the same as your permanent caddy? Because what Brandel Chambly, the point he was making in Kuchar's defence was, your permanent full-time caddy is dedicating sort of their life to you. That there's the travel expenses, there's, uh, they don't know if you're gonna make the cut or not, yet they're probably booked in for the week in the hotel. Yeah, no, um, what I would have done was, there would have been a, probably a, a slight reduction either on the percentages or on the actual wages for the week. Grand, but a slight reduction in percentages versus five grand out of 1.2 million yeah, is, is very different. Exactly. Now, Kuchar, as you said, has to explain his full side of the story, but um, it's not great. What percentage of European tour players are turning up at standard events without a regular caddy? Um, it has grown substantially over the last few years, um, where you get guys bringing friends um, bringing brothers, bringing family members, whatever it may be, yeah. uh, than to a regular caddy. And why do you think that is? Um, a lot of them don't like, you know, paying the, the kind of the kind of the money that that has to be paid if they do well. Um, because, and, and I'll go back to a good few years ago. Like, where did they come up with this structure um, of, of of paying caddies or paying managers? Because the structure is, if I win a million euros. Right, I pay my caddy ten percent. A lot. Okay, yeah. which is a hundred grand. However, I'm not receiving that million euros. I'm, you know, you might you go to tax. A, you might go to a country like Australia and it's forty-eight percent tax, but I'm still paying my caddy his ten percent off the top line. He's paying tax on that hundred grand as well, though. Really? I would have thought so. Okay, well let's let's we move on from there. No. Well, caddies, in general. Uh, would be Corrupt. nomads. No, no, nomads. So they wouldn't be taxed in any, in any jurisdiction. Or they're paying it in their home jurisdiction. Ah, but they must have a house. They don't. You don't have to have a, a, um, a house. But then why are you, if you get your money in Australia, mm-hmm. why are you taxed 48% in Australia if you're an Irish resident? Because it's called withholding tax. Okay. 
Um, and that's, that's the, the bad side of not having a, um, uh, say you're, you're a professional and, and you're traveling the world and you don't, you're not domicile anywhere, uh -huh. then you have to pay your tax in, in all the different countries. So that would apply to the caddy then? Uh, no, because the caddy's not paid by the European tour or not paid by the thing, it's, he's paid by yourself. Mm. So therefore you're paying your caddy directly, you're not paying your caddy within that country. Okay. So he's not subjected to withholding tax. So you just don't know where they pay tax? Exactly. What tax? Yeah, it's, no, it's not your it's, problem. It's none, none of my business whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> you're just raising it and walking away from the bomb. Yeah. Wow. Oh no, look, it, there is a bomb there and, 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 and eventually it'll be... Um, Detonated. <laughs> exactly. And we'll know, we, we'll know who uh, yeah. started yeah. it. And wow. um, do you think... So, I mean, there was a tweet about Simon Dyson last week. Uh, and cheating is clearly an unforgivable act and will never be forgiven. Is what Kuchar has done unforgivable within golfing circles? Will he be looked at differently or will there be a general shrug of the shoulders and that happens? It'll be a shrug of the shoulders yeah. and, and it happens. You know, there should have been a deal there. Cheating and not paying a caddy is a massive difference. Yeah, okay. You know. Pearl Simon Dyson. That's never been forgotten, is it? That's well, just... no, I, I wouldn't say, look, you know, you committed a crime. Um, and that'll always stick with you, yeah. whether people bring it up or not. Um, you know, everybody knows, you know, that was the crime. He got his punishment. Um, but Gonzalo, do, do, does he need to go down that road? Um, I didn't think so. No, you not know, six, what, seven, eight years later. Why, you know, why now kick him again? Because um, his career's never really recovered. No, no, it, not even close to it, no. No. Um, and, and look... As much as as much as I, it's a despicable act to cheat, in, in and because I look back and I got beaten in a playoff by Simon Dyson, in a um, in the Dutch Open, um, and you know, do I ask questions about that one? Yes, I do to myself. Mm. Um, but you have to you have to move on from these things. You know, you, he is what he is. He he did what he did, but you don't keep on going back to it. And I think what um, Gonzalo did was totally wrong. What exactly did Dyson do? Uh, he got caught on um, camera in China um, um, pushing down a spike mark with a golf ball, which was probably six inches in front of his golf ball. So he marked his ball, and then as he picked up his ball, he, he, he leaned forward and tapped the spike mark down mm -hmm. with his golf ball. Mm -hmm. But now that's totally legal. Yeah, as of mm. this year, you know? yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I think it should have been legal a long time ago. Because it doesn't strike me as, look, if it's cheating, it's cheating, there's no grays, but it doesn't strike me as the most egregious crime. On the scale of things you could do and... Okay, but that, that, that was the one point that he got caught live on, live, on, yeah. live on, yeah. on, on TV, so... The question hangs in the air, is that literally the only time in Simon Dyson's career that he has cheated? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the look, ruling, though, was that, although he cheated on that day, hmm. that it wasn't premeditated. So there was sort of a grey area. Maybe, again, maybe the ruling was to leave it quite grey because they didn't want people coming back going, well, let's look back on his previous. Mm. Let's look well, back on the last five years. Yeah, well, I went to committee. I remember sitting in the committee uh, 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 and discussing this point in particular. You know, Do we um, review all his footage type thing? Um, should we interview um, previous caddies um, that caddied for him was probably you know, where we were going to go. Right. 
um, and we are kind of advised not to do that. It was we have to just focus on this one point and this one point only. Mm -hmm. But there was some very strong opinions in the room, um, very strong opinions mm. uh, that Saying he should throw the book at this guy. Oh, uh, yeah, and and some, yeah, you know, uh, just to make the point. And to be honest with you, I I, I was probably with them in a in a way. Mm. You know, you just have to cut it out. Um, How long a ban did he get in the end? He didn't get a ban. He he got a fine. Mm. Okay. There was no ban at all, um, okay. and I think there should have been a ban, yeah. um, but there wasn't. And do you think he, the way his career has gone has been linked to being a pariah out there and just how much more difficult life on tour is now? Oh, he 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 was very much blackballed then after that, um, and and his career has just yeah. now he <coughs> excuse me he he did have a lot of injuries. Um, and uh, is that karma? Um, you know, after that, um, but his, his his whole career went on, on, a, on a very slippery slide. Mm. It would strike me as incredibly difficult to produce your best stuff and play your best stuff if you're out there, and every minute you're on the golf course, both in the warm up and afterwards, and just hanging around the clubhouse, is one of feeling ostracised. You're not going to feel good in yourself. You're not going to be able to produce. Uh, some your best people stuff. can get by that though. Some people don't. They just, they're so single-minded, mm. they can get by that. Mm. Like, one person, an example, um, is Vijay Singh. Yeah. Right? Now, you know, do we tarnish him with the same brush for all the tournaments that he won after that? Um, or did he just make one mistake mm -hmm. uh, a long time ago? Um, and for me, I think Vijay made a terrible mistake changing his scorecard. Um, but there was no other hint of of him doing anything else on a golf course. Mm. Well, there's there's other major champions that have gone past that there's huge stories about that have probably never come to the public. Well, I was, that was the one other question I was going to ask. So you know, Dyson is held up, and everybody can have a kicking yeah, of him publicly. Exactly. Yeah. But are there many players on tour, and the other players would whisper? Oh, very much so. Uh, and that's only in my era. Yeah. Now, the the era before me, um, there was huge stories about, mm. about different players. And I mean high-end players right. um, that, that would have done um, remarkable things on the golf course, which, which were never seen uh, or were seen and, and just forgotten. Mm. Um, and if you're a caddy caddying for one of these guys, can you literally say anything about it? You know, you're, you're jeopardizing your job. Um, there was one caddy in particular, um, and he, he, he played the same event. Jose Maria Lara uh, was playing in the tournament. He had 15 clubs in his bag. Um, uh, and this was, this was out, this is a public story, so I'm not telling any stories behind. Um, and the caddy, he was playing with Damien McGrain at the time, and, and the caddy headed towards a bush. Now, he didn't go into a side through a bush. He went literally through the bush. And Damien thought, this is very peculiar. I have to go see what's going on here. And the caddy was taking a golf club out of the bag and burying it. Um, now, it was never, there was no communication or there didn't seem to be any communication between player and caddy. Um, but, you know, it turned out there, pro there probably was. Mm. But there the caddy was getting rid of a golf club so his player wouldn't be fined. Mm. Um, but then you go back and look at the um, uh, the Burns story with Ian Woosnam, 
you know, he could have done that, but mm. didn't, held up his hand and said, look, you know, I, I've made a mess here. And, mm. you know, you remember he was in, he was leading the tournament in yeah. uh, the uh, British Open. So look, it, 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 it's a um, it's a difficult situation, but as I said to you, I, I think he was completely wrong in relation to his tweet. Okay. Um, Joe Tallon and Touchy was listening to the latest Golf Weekly OTB today on the way to play Rocky Point Golf in Tampa, Florida. Lovely course, lovely day, lovely cool Miller Lights. Back to Ireland Thursday, hoping for a new pod for the flight. Good man, Joe. It was a nice picture. Ever play Rocky Point Golf? No. no. There you go. Uh, Kieran O'Dea was enjoying last week. Um, seven minutes in, uh, no mention of golf. Uh, lads, I can feel another podcast has been born, Musicals Weekly. Oh, yeah. That got people going. Very excited. What's your favourite musical, Peter? You a musical fan? Mm, so you sports people have a weird relationship. No, You're like yeah. Kevin Kilban, who just was, ooh, ooh. what's going on with you boys? Yeah. I've fallen asleep a few times in the... Uh, wow. Yeah. Musicals. Musicals. Um, Andrew Fitzgerald, who had uh, tweeted excitingly, by the way, about um, Mac Bones Mackay being back in Jimmy Walker's bag, um, another friend of the pod asked him, how is Walker's health? Obviously, he's had his issues. Mm. And uh, Fitzgerald says, fully recovered, looks sharp, name drop approach. I met Sean Foley, and I mentioned, uh, and he mentioned uh, Jimmy, or sorry, I mentioned Jimmy had Bones in the bag. Comment was, if Jimmy drives it better this week, it will be his week. So I don't know where Andrew's bumping into Sean Foley, mm. but he is. There you go. Could be at the PGA show this week. All the golf geeks in this world would should be in Florida this week. Okay. Uh, the big PGA show is on this week. Is that worth going to? Fabulous. Really? Absolutely. It's like a trip to a uh, a major tournament. Um, but without uh, any golf. Yeah. Oh, what well, everybody plays around the place. Like you know, there's so many golf courses in mm. Florida. Um, you know, they go over there, they play their golf, and go to the show. Yeah. And it's fabulous. And what would be the most interesting thing at the show? Am I just walking around lots of shops? You're walking around lots of demonstrations, okay. you know, putters, wedges, whatever it may be, clubs, you know, new golf gear, new gadgets, whatever it is. If you're, if you're into your golf, and I know you are, Joe, um, of your little... So is Nathan. No, oh, but no, not, not, there, not, not, to the, not to the same extent they would have thought. I, oh. I, I would have thought Joe is, is far more into the... Uh, um, let the, the industry. Well, what, what, what the word am I? He's on it. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he just talks absolute shite about it. Correct. Um, and and gadgets for his arms and his legs and all well, that kind of that stuff. Anything that he thinks will. So uh, there you go. Trick his so mind I think into thinking he's a better player. I think bring bring Nathan's Nathan, more of a, Nathan Nathan's, go play Nathan's golf. more of a Shane Lowry. I'm more of a Porter Carrington. Exactly. Did you see that um, um, Nike video on everyone's WhatsApp? Yeah, yeah it's hilarious. <laughs> it really is. Not enough. To, why, I, for every shot, I was just thinking, why can't Roy just be practicing putts here? <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking all the way through. Um, yeah. Right, we've got to move on. Time is against us. Uh, so, we're going to hear from Shane Larry later on in the pod. He spoke to us off the ball on uh, Monday evening. He was fresh from his win at the Abu Dhabi HSBC, his first win. In three and a half years, he held off Richard Sternay. Uh, four down with seven to play after leading from day one with the 62. There was the par save in 17. There was the approach from 281 yards on the 18th. And uh, Richard Sternay in the end couldn't do much about it. So Shane Larry, back in the winner's enclosure. You watched it, I presume. I watched a little bit of it. Uh, my my ex-caddy is on his bag, uh, Bo. Uh, Bo Martin. Bo Martin. Tell us yeah. about Bo Martin then. 
Um, okay, Bo played amateur golf with me many years ago. We both played on the same Irish team in Montrose. Um, oh, ooh, many, many years ago, let's say. Uh, Bo has been kind of a, he, he's a sales guy. Uh, he's been on the road for a long time. And um, when Dermot Byrne went to work for Shane, uh, I was looking for a caddy. Um, and I met Bo and I said, look, are you interested? He says, yeah, sure, we'll give it a go. Um, we got beaten in the very first term. We got beaten by Simon Dyson in a playoff, and he caddied for me for four years. Uh, and he's—I I used to call him organised chaos. Um, that's the way he carries on. But uh, he's a great caddy. Uh, and then when Shane was looking for somebody, I suggested Bo, and Bo—I suggested both of them to each other, and yeah. eventually they hooked up, and they're a good partnership now. So, what kind of character is Bo then? Is he a talker? Is he quiet? Um, he'll do a bit of everything. Okay. Yeah. And he, he's really laid back and he suits Shane, he's, you know what I mean, he's, he's Irish and he's, you know, he, he doesn't get too stressed out over anything and, he, he, you know, a bit like Shane. Where is he from in Ireland? He's from Ardglass. Okay. Very good. And, and um, is he very involved? Like, is he reading greens or does he just sit back and let you... Oh no, he'd be, he, he, he'll give you, he's not frightened to give his opinion, you know, at all. Like, Bo will give you his Tuppany's worth. Like, he caddied for... Um, the French kid, what's his name? Um, Dubuisson? No, Leve, uh, Alexander, Ta Alexander Levy. Levy. And on one point, he wanted, Levy wanted to go for the green on 18. I think in the Saturday, they were leading the tournament out of a bad lie with a five wood. And Bo stood in front of the ball hmm. and wouldn't let him hit anything other than a nine iron. You know, lay up short of a house. Yeah. So he, he, he's very strong. When he back. feels strongly about something, yeah. yeah. And did you and Bo row often? Never. Never. Okay. I'm not the rowing type anyway. But um, no, we never had a problem in the four years. We never fell out once. Okay. It was very interesting that Larry said it was the first December he didn't throw the clubs away and in the corner and forget about them, that he worked very hard in the off-season. I saw that actually, and, and he, he, he seems to have made a much better plan for himself. I think losing his card in America was a bit of a you know, kick in the ass, and he's really sort of restructured his whole um, self. And I know he went out to Dubai, and he, he spent maybe a week or two weeks be prior to the tournament mm. playing a good bit of golf with uh, uh, Paul Dunn. Yeah. Um, and that kind of competitive practice that he was getting with Harrington, now he's using Paul Dunn for his... Um, and that'll help Paul Dunn as well. Mm. It begs the question, <laughs> why haven't you done it for the previous 10 years? But maybe that'll be the template going forward. I mean, you need to work really hard out there. I know there's, he, an, there's an argument he, and that he could make, well, you need to relax, you need to decompress, you need your time off as well, you need a freshness. Yeah. And it's about, I guess it's always, and it changes as you get older, there's a balance there. And sometimes you probably do need to flog yourself and work bloody hard. Look, I think just Shane is maturing, mm. um, and uh, and as I said to you, I think the um, the kick in the ass that he needed was was America last year. You know, not getting, not retaining a card over there. Is there a pattern though to playing good golf? Because everything it seems to be is hindsight. Where we look at McElroy afterwards, going, why didn't he do that for the last three years? Yeah. Why didn't he need that that preparation? Obviously, there was a good reason why Shane felt he wanted and needed mm. December off just to let off some steam. Mm. I do wonder now. We presume that next year he does the exact same thing mm. and then if it doesn't work do you have yeah, to rethink it all again? again? I'd say it's a never changing thing it depends mm. on your age your commitments where you are in your career 
And, and family as well. Yeah. Like, you know, um, his, his daughter now is an age of, uh, as I say, she can walk and talk. And that was, the, that was the one rule I had. You know, as long as they can walk and talk, they can come wherever they want. Um, but until then, you know, you're at home. Mm. And what did you make of his play? He played superbly. It, but that golf course suits him down to the ground. You know, it's, you got to get it out there. And, you know, Shane's not short. Mm. Um, and he's a good chipper and putter. He hit about 38% of fairways. His, his yeah, driving well, the, fairway, the first round was ridiculous. Yeah. Four fairways, 17 greens. Yeah. yeah, But the fairways are very narrow out there. Okay. Like they really are narrow. But, uh, and an awful lot of them are, a, um, they move from either left to right or right to Lock left. Legs, yeah. So they're quite difficult to hit fairways. Yeah. But if you can pump it out there, um, that's why Abu Dhabi, I never did anyway well around Abadair, we never even contended right. because I couldn't hit the ball far enough to, to make the carries and I was always going into greens with too long of irons. Everybody's just delighted for Larry, he's a gentleman, anytime you deal with him he's just a great fella and um, you know you could see the outpouring of happiness right across Twitter and various social media um, outlets for him. So the fact that you know you look at his last two wins, it's a WGC in Firestone and it's a Rolex series. I, there's a you know there's a certain quality that it probably takes to win the big stuff you know yeah you, you, the standard European tour events that you won in Portugal but if you look at like the Irish Open which at that time would have been like a, as big as a major for where, given where he was in his career and now these two that shows a real ability to handle the big occasion which is is not universal no Shane has oodles of bottle it's as simple as that he has oodles of it and when push comes to shove. Um, and he give him the opportunity, uh, he takes it. Mm. Um, and he certainly has the balls to do it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, we'll hear from him later on. He was in great form, as you can imagine. Uh, the Omega Dubai Desert Classic, before we head stateside, is on at the moment. Lowry's played his first round. Very nice, 69, three under par. Uh, the leaders, there's a glut of them on six under. DeChambeau and Sergio, uh, both among them. Tommy Fleetwood's on four under. It's another good field. Uh, Lee Westwood's there in the mix as well. Uh, Ian Poulter's out there, Matt Fitzpatrick, so it's another good tournament. Different type of golf course. Um, you know, Dubai you can get around hitting, hitting it quite short, you don't have to be massively long, but you got to put well, you got to put really well. Mm. Uh, and the greens are normally immaculate, mm. and they're really fast. Um, so Shane won with his putting. Yeah, but it's, a, it, it's just a different type of golf course, okay. you know. Um, you can probably see guys doing, different guys doing well. In, in Dubai than they will do in Abu Dhabi. Okay, uh, let's go stateside. There's a brilliant event at Torrey Pines. So Tiger's back, uh, 13 in the world. He has won about 10% of his 81 PGA Tour titles at Torrey Pines, um, the farmer's insurance. So we have John Ram, this is in order of the betting. John Ram is the favorite. Then we have uh, Tiger Woods, 12 to one. A glut of guys on 14s, Jason Day, Justin Rose, Rory McIlroy, also in the field, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth is there, on it goes, it's um, the big time is back, this is the good stuff. This is the proper start of the season, really. Uh, absolutely. Why yeah. is the fun? Yeah, but this is, these are the big boys out there, yeah. even looking through those odds, like Jordan Spieth is 33 to 1. Yeah. I just can't ignore that. <laughs> but, but what does it say about John Ram that in a field like that, yeah whatever, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like John Ram to be favourite in a field like that. I know he's won there previously. Mm. And he started the season quite well. Uh, I always feel we sort of forget about John Ram. I know. Experience. 
I just can't wait to see what Tiger turns up with this week. I have weirdly low expectations. Guess where he's why. been spending his off-season? With the Marines or something stupid like that. This off-season, I spent a lot of time in the gym, ah, said Tiger Woods. Good, good. Everyone goes, what? Uh, Doe in fairness, says, I had to get a lot stronger. <laughs> uh, I, feel, I feel like my legs are where they need to be now, which they weren't at the end of the season. So he's doing lots of leg work, he says. Uh, last year, towards the end of the season, I got really tired. I didn't expect to play that. Uh, much golf, so I've had to get stronger, uh, and he's been training in the off season. <sighs> you just hope that this—the obvious answer to playing too much golf is to play less golf, yeah. and just not enter as many tournaments. Don't spend but all your time. But it just in the yeah. seems. Uh, but he's played. He, he played. He only plays what twenty odd tournaments a year. Like not even that. Hmm. Um, yeah, but that he body. Doesn't play. Uh, this is the 43-year-old version we're talking about. Yeah, I know that, yeah. Well, oh, look, after his last win, he came to the Ryder Cup, and boy, did he look tired. Oh. Didn't he? Destroyed, yeah. He just looked like a fellow who'd been run over by a bus. I think he fell asleep in the press conference. Mm. He was that tired. Were you, or you were out chasing someone else. I, in the press conference, he was honestly comatose. Yeah. yeah. It was like he'd been drugged. drugged. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably unfair to say in his case, given... <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Joe? Given the misdemeanor. Right. Um, Roy McIlroy there. Interestingly, it's his first time there. He says, I feel like I watch this tournament a lot on TV, so I felt like I knew it. But um, it's funny, you get a sort of perception of golf from uh, TV, and then you play it, and it does play very differently to how he thought it was going to play. So he's played the south course uh, on the Monday and uh, the north course on the Tuesday. Well, what's interesting with Rory is that he spent mm -hmm. last week with Brad Faxon, once again, mm -hmm. practicing his putting, putting up Instagram videos. Is that the key? Will we be sitting here in a week's time going... Why hasn't he been with Brad Faxon over the last nine months? I hope so. Rory, 2019. Discuss, Peter. Wow. Um, that's like saying, how long is a piece of string? Um, Rory is... I, to be honest with you, I think the Shane Lowry thing now, having Shane won, I think will be somewhat motivating towards um, him, you know, trying really? to... Get, yeah, I think so. I don't I, think he sees I, himself in those terms. No. Nah. Guys don't like other people taking their thunder, okay? But Shane yeah. Lowry has a, has a thunder that Rory McIlroy will never have. Shane Lowry's taking his thunder say, on Irish media this mm, week, I'd but like, say, in global terms, Rory McIlroy... Yeah, but he's still Irish, okay? He still knows what's going on. He's still mm. friendly with, with Shane, okay. you know? Um, look, I, I know of one of my mates, one who would certainly spur me on to do a bit better. Well, didn't you and yeah. Damien McGrain win one yeah. week after another? Yeah. Um, so petty. <laughs> <laughs> Tom. Um, did you win first? No, he did. Oh, you really are the petty one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then I better get on with it and win. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, would, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't have thought, I would have thought this would have been a minor oh, uh, blip on his radar. And the other thing, he's changed the schedule. Um, normally he would have played in Abu Dhabi and mm. Dubai, taken the big money and, and uh, filled his bank account and and started a little bit later in America. Now he's totally focused on America. Mm. So there's another guy who's, who's kind of restructured himself uh, this year. So um, I'm expecting quite good things at the early part for Rory. Um, does he have it in him to win tournaments? Yes. Is the putter good enough? We have to go on past experience and say no. Based on the tournaments of champions, I don't know how much of that you saw, but he didn't make a single putt outside of 12 feet across the week. And his longest put on the Sunday was about four or five feet. Right. So you never win tournaments doing that. Ever. Now, unless Brad Faxon has managed to unlock something 
and get something going in the past week. I mean, putting is the more volatile of any aspect of your game, isn't it? Yes, yeah, because you can be as mechanical as you want to be, but in the end of the day, your eye has to be in, you, you know what I mean, your coordination mm. has to be in. Mm. Um, and really, you know, should he take drastic measures and, I don't know, you know, change the putter, change his grip, change whatever. Um, but he, he just needs a bit of confidence and then to keep on playing on the same type of greens. And I think maybe that's why he's, he's more concerned about going to America and playing on good greens all the time. When he comes across to Europe, the greens are a little bit different, they're a little bit slower pace. Um, so maybe that's his kind of attitude towards mm. his new flung desire to play in America. The what, a US Open, US PGA course is very similar to Europe, to Tory Pines. Exactly, yeah. Did they play the US Open in Torrey Pines at once? Yeah, time? Tiger's last, yeah. Tiger's last major. major was US Open Torrey Pines. Um, you used the word good there, plays on good greens, and he comes over to Europe and they're slower. Are they bad greens in Europe by comparison? Um, they, they differ greatly uh, from tournament to tournament. Um, Abu Dhabi greens are quite good, a little bit grainy. Um, you go to Dubai and they're exceptionally good, but they're very fast. They're much faster than Abu Dhabi's greens. Uh, then you'd play in Qatar and the greens are really, really grainy. Mm -hmm. um, so y you've, you've just played three tournaments and you've played three different types of, yeah. of greens. Start to mess with you. Uh, yeah, it can do. And you could nearly pick winners of, of, uh, in Europe on who puts well on particular type of greens. And is grainy a euphemism for bad? No, no, grainy, grainy is just the type of grass that's on it and, and the way it grows, and you have to factor that into um, the putt. Mm. So if it's really dark, it's going to be really slow. If it's really light, it's going to be really fast. And then, you know, it could be a side putt or, a, you know, the grain coming from left to right or right to left. So you have to put that all into consideration. Okay. While in America, the greens are not that quite, you know, differ from one week to mm. the other. Or so I'm told anyway, by, by yeah. most of the lads. Um, so I think you can become a much better putter in America than you can be in Europe. Mm. Does that sort of feed in then to say when Rory made those comments about the European tour being a stepping stone and there was a lot of talk about where the European tour stands and part of the conversation was that maybe the European tour makes better golfers, but the PGA Tour makes more successful golfers. So you get a more rounded game by playing on the European Tour, but actually for the biggest events, for the majors, it doesn't set you up for them. No, I, I would totally agree with that. Because you, you play in Europe and you play in, in so many different climates, so, so many different types of grass, you have to become an all-round good player. You know, you have to be able to play the flop shot, you have to play the bump and run. In America, there's no such thing as a bump and run unless you're playing in maybe a US Open where they shave it down and some guys put it out of it. Mm. Um, but in general, you're, you're structured far more to one type of play in America, while in Europe you have to have, you know, 10 different skills. Yeah, interesting. Maybe that is behind his decision. I guess there's a few different factors. Um, yeah. What did you make of his comments about the European Tour being a stepping stone? Do you feel like he was stepping on your face? Well, he was stepping on one person's face and it wasn't mine, that's for sure. Would there been a fallen out with him yeah. and Keith Pelly, I wonder? Oh, I would have. It's it, it certain. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm off the committee. I, I, I'm off from the inside track, but it certainly Can you get back on the committee? No, no. God damn no. it. Uh, it certainly seems that way to you. It certainly seems that way. Um, now, I know the press said he was 
Keith Pally had met with them. He'd flown over to uh, yeah, America Belfast. to have it. Oh, I thought it was Belfast, Belfast over Christmas. But look, I think Keith Pally, he, he initially came in and his, his ideas have been very good to, to boost the European tour. Yeah. But I don't think they're working. Uh, I think the, um, the Rolex series that he's created has created kind of 12 tournaments across, it will create 12 tournaments across Europe and then that's it. Uh, all the others would be very small events um, and poor fields, poor money. Um, while everybody is looking at kind of going to America, playing in the better fields for more money um, and structuring their game better. So there has to be kind of a rethink in Europe. Is it though um, unrealistic to expect that there'll be 30 or 40 big events across the European tour in the modern climate? No chance, no. Yeah. no. So maybe, maybe Pelly's being a pragmatist and saying, well, you know what, 12 biggies, keeps the profile of the tour high and then look the other weeks we muddle on and that's just the way it's going to be in 2019. Is, that, is, is, yeah, is there a fair uh, argument for that? that the, the, there's a fair argument there. Yeah. I, I would have said we should have really had, you know, 20, 22, 20, you know, 20 to 25 tournaments in Europe um, and having them dotted around to the similar uh, events, you know, same city, same golf course um, and have 20. That, that's what I would have done if I'd come in there. Um, and so you know exactly every year you go into the same venue, you know what it's like. Mm. Um, America seemed to be brilliant at doing that. Yeah, um, they, give, we, they give a real identity. Yeah, to there's a familiarity when you tune in and we can watch Tory Pines this yeah. week and you yeah. remember the shots yeah. from yeah. Tiger winning it before. Yeah. Whereas I mean, Even the Hilton heads of the world you mm. just get very familiar with. Uh, so sorry, part of your point on, yeah. was it also though with the Rolex series, is that actually even they're not as successful. Yeah, I was no, just going to say that. No, yeah. Yeah. People want them to be. So last week was probably one of the few weeks of the year where the European Tour event had more world ranking points than the PGA Tour event. Probably because Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau get a nice little paycheck yeah. appearance fee to come over and add huge world ranking points. But generally, even the Irish Open this year, again, yeah, we're, uh, looking, totally. we're looking at the Irish Open, the Scottish Open, you'll get two or three of the top 20 in the world at each of them. So how can, how, can you, how can you push for 20, I think, is the question. Mm. We, they can barely manage 12 biggies. I wouldn't, have gone to, I wouldn't have gone to the extent of pushing them because he, 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 he's monitoring everything on money factor rather than actual field quality. Um, like when you look at Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi used to be $2 million was the prize fund and they used to spend $20 million um, in appearance money. Mm. Now they've moved it up to $8 million and they've probably spent 20 million getting players to play um, because it doesn't seem to bother them, you know, what they spend. Mm. But the likes of an Irish Open, the likes of a Scottish Open, they can't do that. You know, they just don't have that money to spend. Um, and until that appearance fee goes out of golf, then there's, there's always going to be this issue. Mm. And there has to be a stage where they just co cut it off and start again. It's a stupid question, but. 20 million on appearance fees for Abu Dhabi, is it worth it? Like, is it, I, I know, I understand that we're, the part of the world we're talking about and suddenly we talk about Abu Dhabi in nice terms and not that looked nice on the TV last week and yeah. must be a perfectly fine place to go and live and work and uh, do whatever you want or not as the case may be. I presume that's, that's where the value is because I certainly didn't tune in last week and go, oh, there's Dustin Johnson in Abu Dhabi, I'm going to go on holidays. <laughs> no. It's tax free though. Whoa. 
Which is so the point. money you win in Abu Dhabi, you never paid any tax on? I've never said that, but it is tax <laughs> yeah. There's no withholding tax in right. Abu Dhabi. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I would worry for the European Tour long term. Um, I, I like It's fair enough to say Keith Pelly's ideas haven't quite worked, but I mean, I don't know what ideas are out there on paper that are suddenly going to improve things there's dramatically. There's not, there's not, but yeah. like anything, you're going to have to take a bit of drastic action. There's going to have to take a bit of pain to uh, to get it back. But uh, So from being on the committee then, and say we talk about this, in 10 years time, will we have some sort of a world tour where the European tour is subsumed by the PGA tour and it, there's PGA tour events basically in Europe, that it's one tour. Could the PGA tour technically buy out the European tour? Oh yeah, easy, easy. And, it, and, and who would who would it, make the money? It has who would to make happen. the profit? If say the PGA Tour buy the European Tour for two billion, mm -hmm. who does that two billion go to? That's a good question. I don't know. The players I, committee. I, I, players, players committee. Players committee, right, which Peter. I'm no longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, just missed it. Story of my life, Joe. Yeah. They story give you three grand life. though. They give <laughs> you three yeah, grand yeah, cut. Yeah. Um, hey, before we go, you've started a new venture. I have um, actually got my hands uh, dirty for the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, Nathan came over and had a look, and I painting and hat on the whole lot. Um, so I've taken over the Spowell driving range. Um, Very I've, famous driving range. Yeah, I got it reopened. Um, it's called. It's going to be called the Spowell Golf Academy. I thought... Academy. Why would I... Why, Touch a class. Call it university. Yeah. Why <laughs> the would University I of Golf would, <laughs> Dublin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who would know where the Peter Laurie Golf Academy was? So like everybody knows Spowell, so keep the name. Yeah. And uh, so we're opening on the 1st of February to the public. Right. Um, so completely uh, revamped everything inside. Um, How many bays do you have at Spawa? We have 40 bays in total. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and I've I never been out there, funny enough. Yeah. I know it. I drive by it. You, you see it when you drive by it. Everyone knows it. But it's You're more than welcome. Oh, I know. I'll certainly pop out and see it. So um, what, what led you down this path? I, I tell you, I was, I was driving over to my mother and father's uh, a while ago. My mum and dad live in Temple Oak there, and uh, yeah, I saw it was closing down. Um, I rang the GAA. The GAA had a big idea of, of putting a 35,000-seater stadium in there, which is not going ahead now because they didn't get planning for it. So um, they, the Car Golf had it, mm. and they were, they were coming out. Um, and I rang them, and I said, look, are you interested in doing a deal? And they said, yeah, for a short-term period. And I said, no, well, that suits me. And that's how it started. Okay. And how short-term? Um, probably three to five years. Oh, that's not that short-term. No. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Great, best so, of luck with it. Is it, I mean, is it, is it a tough business to make money, the driving range business? Um, I haven't an idea, as of yet. <laughs> I, I put my finger in the air and went, you know, look, there's, there's lots of things to do um, and, and there's lots of things coming. I, I hope to get a top tracer over there as well, probably the end of, a, um, end of March, um, which is a big pull. It'll be the only one in Ireland. Um, so that would mean you'd hit your balls into the driving range and you'd get your numbers beside you? Yeah, you get your numbers beside you and onto your mobile phone as well. So you can literally play the, 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 the different golf courses um, on the screen um, by hitting like drivers, chips, putts, whatever it may be. Do you know what you need to do? You need to copy that driving range down that loan who have this giant Rory McIlroy picture pointing into their driving range. Give the impression that this is endorsed by Rory. Okay. <laughs> Every time I go by, I'm like, I'm sure there's something. Some image rights law being broken there. <laughs> you should but take they seem a, to be you getting, getting away with it. Take so. a picture and send it to Rory. <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? Have you been here? Apologies <laughs> to the people of Athlone who enjoyed going to that driving range on yeah, a regular basis. What's your problem? No, you go, let live. Now you can go to the Spawell. Not hurting anyone. Just say, are you going to have a giant picture of yourself with no, your Spanish no, Open no, trophy? No, sure. no. 
Should do that, yeah. You gotta sell it. Not on the outside, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere you walk in. I always think um, driving range is generally, I don't go to that many of them, I, I, I admit, but I actually think they should, they should be better places to hang out. There should be more of a coffee culture around driving ranges, yes. you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, there's never, there's no driving range where I'd say to mates, because there was, there was a time up until maybe a year or two ago when they all started having kids and then that stopped. But there was a time where we go a bit, you know? And I never felt that the, any of the driving ranges we went to took enough advantage of the fact that, well, people might want to sit around and have a cup of coffee and a bit of cake or whatever, or, you know, just it, yeah. like it, make it a more social experience. Exactly, yeah. That's just a, my thought. No, I don't agree with you. And, and, and you know, bringing in the likes of Top Tracer will do that yeah. because yourself and, and A and other could actually play against each other. You could play nearest the pin and yeah, you yeah. know exactly where the ball goes and stuff like that. And, or, you know, we want to hit a long drive contest. Or you could play against guys in England, you know, in a long driving contest, yeah, the same yeah. thing. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. No, great. That, yeah, that, that just, that kind a, few, of a few bells yeah. and whistles. Mm. Can it's massive in, in uh, America. Yeah, you know, they have exactly. Top Golf in America, yeah. which you can actually sit at back. You can get table service. You can eat your chicken wings, have a few beers and, and, and hit a few balls. Yeah. Now, weather does dictate that in Ireland, unfortunately. Oh, sure. You don't sure, want to sure. be frozen, but... Um, well, listen, very best of luck with it. Where is Farwell for people who are ignorant? Uh, very uh, close between Temple Oak um, and uh, uh, Tala. Just off the M50. Just off yeah. the M50. Yeah, Thanks, they can Nick. Google it anyway, Spowell. Exactly, so yeah. February 1st. February 1st. Yeah. Good man. Our competition winner from last week, Joe. Okay, go on. What's, what, is the win what does the winner get? They get a four ball of Powers Court Golf Club. Very nice. Uh, Derek Byrne, who correctly named Matt Kuchar's caddy. El Tucan. El Tucan. El Tucan. So uh, Derek Byrne will can be we do in a touch. Go, can we do a GoFundMe thing for El Tucan? <laughs> We'd raise him 100 grand, no problem. Oh, I'd say Cooch is regretting. Oh, that's big a time. very, very As we said last week, this grand. is Mickelson walking around with his $100 bill. It's all PR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's He's terrible. He's not good with the PR, Cooch. No, it didn't seem to be. We just remember the, the Andrew Coulthard thing. Do you remember that from... You see, you wouldn't remember it because I guess the, the people who play the game don't give a crap about all the, the nerd stuff that we care about. But I do, yeah. Now I do. Before the Open last year, Andrew Coulthard was going around on the Wednesday on the course yeah. just grabbing a word with players as they went about their practice. And uh, Cooch was in some chips and he went up and asked him for, you know, well, Cooch, has it gone? Thoughts on that? And um, he just stared at him and said nothing, as if to say, how dare you? you. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know, was the mask slipping or was it actually... Just a well, bad moment uh, from a good guy. Funny you say that, right? I, I, I've been out of the game now, what, two years. Um, and I've noticed in particular in some players, and, and I hope that wasn't me, that certain egos have... I, I, and maybe I didn't notice it before. Oh, you were an asshole. No, I wasn't. Unapproachable was how I described yeah. you. Was it? No, I didn't. No. Um, but yeah, look, I, it's, it's funny. You, you, you see it from the other side now and you think, wow. Tell me I wasn't like that. As in how they interact with fans or just... Or it themselves and just the, the rubbish that comes out of their mouths. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, okay. That they're talking about things that you think, well, tell me I wasn't talking that way. You were. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> it's a bubble. It's a bubble. It's a bubble. Uh, right. So uh, I guess, look, this is going to be good. Uh, we'll see how Rory goes. We get to see how Tiger goes. And um, we'll talk next week or so. And then we're all kicking off into it. Peter, thanks a million. Not at all. Thank you. I'm sure there may be some Spowell competitions around the corner. For yeah, we are just talking about that before. Faithful. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll so we'll get one. Boil there, something yeah. up. Yeah. Okay, very good. So 1st of February, best of luck with that. Nathan, thank you. Cheers, Joe. All right, we'll talk to you next week.
Looks pretty good. Oh, it's very good. Look at this one coming up and round. This for his fourth win on the European Tour. And to become the first Rolex Series champion, and he's held it. It's victory for Ireland for the first time in Abu Dhabi. A wonderful final day's golf. And the man who equaled the course record on day one with a 62 has done enough to take the title. Yeah, there you are. Delighted to say he's joined us on the line from somewhere in the Middle East. Shane Larry, hello. Joe, how's it going? Great, how's it going yourself? Congratulations. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, I'm good, obviously. I would think so, yeah. An amazing performance. I'm sure it was an unbelievably <laughs> tough and difficult final day. Uh, give us your, your thoughts on how you've spent the time since the win. Um, I know your family are over there and there's, there's friends, I'm sure, as well. What's it been like? Uh, yeah, obviously, emotional uh, week all around on the final day and I was very happy to get the win. And since that, we have uh, myself and Paul, one of our house rented in Dubai here. So we came back here and uh, we had a little bit of a party on Saturday night, um, which was nice. A few friends that we know from Dubai and a couple of other golfers, Oliver Fisher was here and, uh, you know, Paul Caddy Darren and a few others. kind of... You know, I was just sitting back enjoying enjoying the victory. I was I was pretty tired to be honest. And then yesterday we went for a few a few early drinks just to watch the Leinster match and um yeah, well I didn't do do too much after that. So it was a pretty relaxed couple of days, really enjoyed it. I went out to the golf course and had a few shots just to kinda clear the cobwebs off. So yeah, and uh, obviously over the moon. Yeah. Well earned. I mean, you know how difficult it is to win out there. And it doesn't happen every day. So you're dead right to enjoy it and make the most of it. I, I'm not surprised to hear you're tired because this was a wire-to-wire victory and an incredibly tough uh, final round. So the 62 on Wednesday is a course record. And then uh, final day, Richard Stern is alongside you. He comes out of the blocks really quickly. Uh, 31 on the front nine. And you're, you shoot a 37 on the front nine. Was it pressure? It's just going to happen? Um, I mean, I know, I know you talked about waking up a few times during the night the night before. It, it is a tough thing to carry a lead into a final round. Yeah, it, look, there was obviously a lot of pressure there. I felt quite nervous before I played and stuff. And, um, but then I went out and I hit, you know, birdie to first, which is a nice start. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had a good chance in the second. Then a bad bogey in the third and, you know, because he got off to a fast start, I suppose, I felt like I wasn't playing too great. But I was still, you know, I was one under through four holes. Yeah. So I wasn't exactly, uh, you know, I wasn't exactly playing badly. But, um, you know, from there, I kind of just, like, obviously, I had a bit of a bad run around the town and, and he did all right. And uh, all of a sudden, I found myself four behind by... I tried not to panic because, mm. you know, in those situations, it's easy to put your head down and, and give in and all of a sudden he walks away with a four or five shot win and, and you're, you know, left there with your tail between your legs. So I just tried to really, you know, grind it out and, and try as hard as I can not to, not to, I, the one thing I was trying with five or six holes to go was trying not to hand him the trophy, you know, yeah. trying to put a bit of pressure on him. That's what I did and, and it paid off. Around that period, around the turn where you have a couple of bogeys and then there's another bogey in 11 and suddenly there's seven holes to play and you're four down. Th- those few holes when you're when you're giving away shots, that must feel 
well, I'm asking you how it feels, I suppose, but it, golfers often say it feels like things get very quick and before you know it, you find yourself behind the eight ball very quickly. They, your memory of that period where you feel like you're giving him the tournament around the turn? Yeah, like I, um, you know, I miss a good chance on the seven for birdie. I lift out on the eight for birdie and then I just hit an awful tee shot off the ninth and actually made a great five. And then I made a great par on 10. So I actually felt, I didn't feel like I was throwing away shots. Right. I felt like I'd almost saved two shots there, you know, and yeah. I, was, I was still four. You know, I had a bad bogey in the 11, all right, to go four behind. But after that, like, I just, literally from the, the 12th in, I just said to myself, like, just just try and make a couple of birdies and make him win the tournament. Um, you know, and then the very minute I put a bit of pressure on him, it's like he, you know, he started to feel it and, um, I knew if I could get within one or two with a couple to play uh, that I'd have some sort of a chance because, you know, 18 being a par 5, you can always make a deal there and stuff. So, it was, uh, yeah, I was still fairly optimistic playing the 12th hole and then obviously I, I hold a great pull for birdie on 12 and 13 and that kind of got me going. Yeah, it was, I mean, that was an, it was an amazing couple of hours, that back nine to watch. I saw you make the point that you learned from Oakmont, 2016 US Open, you had a four-shot lead over Dustin Johnson and it got away from you and you learned from that. You, you know, you, you, you said there's maybe a bit more fight, I think was the word you used in you this time around. Yeah, I think I think so. Like, I think, you know, in Oakmont, because it was so far ahead, you're kind of hoping that you can kind of cruise to a decent victory. But, you know, it, it's never that easy in golf. And you're, I felt when I got one behind there that I felt like the tournament was getting away from me. Whereas that's the one thing I tried to to do on on Saturday was try and suppose not to let it like not to let it get away from me not to let it slip just kind of keep fighting until the bitter end and see where it leaves me and I've kind of I've talked I talked to, funny enough I talked a lot with Neil early last week before the tournament even started about like no matter what happens no matter what I shoot today or no matter what I shoot yesterday it's all on like the next shot you have like mm. it's just kind of I know it's the same old like stupid golf cliches like one shot at a time and all that, but that's honestly how I've been trying. To, I was try. I tried to go out when I was talking about this is what the way I'm going to try and play my season this year. And and no matter what I shoot today, whether it be 62 or 72, I still need to go out tomorrow and shoot a decent score. And you know, when I got to the 12th tee the other day, I was like, right, I'm four behind, but I can hit some good shots. I can make some birdies, and mm. and that's what I tried to do. Yeah, uh, 281 yards from the 18th green. You've just made this brilliant clutch par saving putt from 12 feet on the 17th green it's a real match play situation you felt pretty good about that shot it seemed yeah I did I, you know I felt like when it was par on 17 I felt it would have been a bit of a dagger in the heart to him like, yeah. I, I felt like I had all the momentum going to 18 then I stood up and hit a great tee shot and uh, he hit a great tee shot after me followed me down the fairway and it was funny um, he wasn't carrying a tree wood last week and I, I kind of knew that and I was saying to I was saying to Bowman last year, I'm not sure he has enough to get this back to the flag, you know. Mm. And he obviously tried to go a little bit too hard and missed it outright. So I felt good. I've been in. I hit some lovely shots with that tree wood and um, I just felt good. On the day before, I actually hit a beautiful shot into 18 as well with it. And it was a pretty similar shot I had just a little bit further so I could just hit it harder. Mm. It just ended up the left side of the green and, and swung at it, hit it hard and thankfully it came out nicely and, you know, went to about 30 feet. Yeah. Try and explain that feeling walking up 18. Oh, uh, yeah, at that stage I was trying not to get ahead of myself because I knew he was not in a great spot and it was, 
I kept on saying the ball, he's going to make birdie, he's going to make birdie. Right. So I'm going to need at least two pull for a playoff here. Yeah. You know, and a, you know, try and haul up a two pull for a playoff. And then when I seen he pitched to like 20 feet, I was thinking, you know, try and get it down as close as I can. If it falls in, it falls in. If not, hopefully he misses. And, you know, thankfully he did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it's one of those where, you know, you're walking up and the big crowds, there are a lot of Irish people and there, you know, a lot of clapping going on, but I didn't want to acknowledge it too much because I was still trying to focus on the job in hand. It always uh, struck me as um, unfair is too strong a word, obviously, but a bit of a pity that uh, it's very clear even anyone who follows you on social media or, or keeps an eye on you at all. The last couple of years off the course have been fantastic. You know, you, you seem to really be loving family yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it, it always struck yeah. me as a bit of a pity that things seemed to be so great for you off the course and you were going through a really tough period by your own very high standards on the course. And so I think yeah. a lot of people loved the fact that uh, your wife and your daughter were there on the 18th green. That's what every golfer wants. They want the, they want the um, wife and child running on the green. So you got that moment. Yeah, it's an absolute dream. Like, you, I mean... I said to Wendy uh, Saturday morning before the final, I said, no matter what happens, would you do me a favour? Would you have Irish there waiting for me? You know, um, I said, win, lose, or draw. Right. And uh, when when that put went in, obviously I shook hands with Richard and, and gave Bo a hug, and then first people I was looking for was them. And to see Irish running out onto the green was, you know, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. It's something that, you know, since since we've had ours it's kind of been a dream like obviously to have that happen and yeah, yeah. for to have them with me obviously it's the first win I've had uh, with Wendy here as well so that was pretty nice as well you know Does it change those moments are they more emotional there's more going on in, the, in, in those moments when you do win Yeah it was a bit emotional afterwards to be honest I um, I thought I tried to hold it together as much as I could for the interview and uh, yeah it's, look it's like you said there earlier it's a lot of there's been a lot of pretty bad times over the last couple of years on the golf course and you know miscuts and bad scores and and you kind of you when things are going like that you never feel like you're going to play well again and you know it's the other way around as well when you're playing well you never feel like you're going to play badly it's a weird game golf and uh, yeah just to to turn it around and come out and win and, and win you know I think I showed a lot of character and a lot of grit and determination there on Saturday I think it would have been easy to lie down and, and, you know, take a top two or three finish yeah. and, you know, just go into this week. But I think um, I showed a lot of character, I think, towards the end on Sunday. Well, I, absolutely. Because, I mean, anyone who watches golf with any kind of regularity has seen the Sunday leader, the final round leader, not get off to a great start. It is so hard and so rare that they turn it around. It's, it must be the most difficult thing to do in golf. And you did that and... You know, that, that point you make about it can be hard to tell yourself you're still a really good golfer. You can tell yourself that and you can say I've won a WGC, but as that becomes further in the rearview mirror, it's probably harder to convince yourself of that sometimes, whereas you've come out now and won a Rolex Series event. There were 14 of the world's top 50 in that field. That was a serious field. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of the better fields in Europe um, throughout the year. It's, uh, it's obviously a great tournament to win. It's on a good golf course, good venue, and it's got, you know, great prestige events. So, like, I mean, to win a big event is great. To win any event would have been great, but to win a, such a big one, and like you said, you know, the the Bridgestone is, is in the rearview mirror quite, quite a distance away, and, you know, to get another victory. Like, the thing is with golf, I, I think that the standard and the talent that's coming out nowadays from the amateur ranks and from college and, and stuff is getting better and better all the time. So, like, yeah. as years go on, you kind of, 
not that you doubt yourself because I, I, I do feel like I'm good enough and I feel like I'm doing everything right to, to get a win but you know there's certain weeks you might play well enough and someone just plays better than you you know I might have played the last uh, five or six holes well there on Sunday like I did and if Richard plays them better than me he beats me and that's mm. just the way golf is but mm. you know I'm the one sitting here now talking about winning and, and it's great and I'm obviously very chuffed but it's a, it's a fickle sport at the end of the day and I'm just like that's my fourth win now. I'm I'm very grateful that I I've won four times and hopefully I can, you know, kick on from here now and really, really do what I feel like I can really do in the game. Well, I mean, it must be nice as well to know you can win the big ones. You know, I mean, you're you're, <laughs> you're winning some big stuff. The last two in your CV are this one and the WGC, so that's a real marker. And um, so you know, last year you were on the PGA Tour and you were kind of trying to juggle. Uh, both tours a little bit and, and that is that is tough and it proved tough and you lost your PGA Tour card do you feel like you might be more suited to playing in Europe you might enjoy Europe more and you're going to kind of be more European and play the WGCs and the majors or you know and obviously you're in the top 50 now so your schedule changes and WGCs come into the mix how do you see things over the next year two three years are you still kind of itching to get back on the PGA Tour or, or how do you feel about you know what the experience of last year has taught you, and then and now having this win back on European, uh, on the European tour. Yeah, like it's funny because I was fully gone out this year with the mind of uh, you know playing these events in the Middle East, and then um, I was always going to Pebble Beach in a couple of weeks to play there, and then come back and play in like Oman and Qatar and Malaysia and those events. And uh, obviously my schedule changes now because I'm in Mexico, I'm in the Players Championship, I'm in. Uh, you know, I'm in the world match play. I'm yeah. hopefully going to be in uh, Augusta. You know, tournaments like that. So I, I, I really like. I haven't. I've, I've had a look at the schedule over the last couple of days. But it, this win actually does lead me to be playing a little bit more in America over the next couple of months. But yeah. that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not going there trying to get my PGA Tour card back. I'm going there because they're the biggest events in the world. That I'm in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I've got to go and play in them if. You know, if I want to, I suppose, eat at the top table in golf, that's there the events you, you're playing in. And, you know, I'm obviously very lucky and very happy that I'm going to be in those events. So, um, over, I'm playing Dubai this week, and over the next two, three months, I'll be playing, like, the big events in America. And the odd one, I'll be playing, uh, like, I'm playing the Zora Classic with Forrest. Um, I'll probably be playing Bay Hill because it's top 50 in the world event. Right. But other than that, I won't be playing too many regular events. What I'm trying to say is I won't be trying, I'm not trying, I'm not actively trying to get my PGA Tour car back. Yeah. Do I, I see myself as a yeah. European Tour player and I want to play the next Ryder Cup. And to play the next Ryder Cup, I feel like I need to be playing in Europe. Right. I presume you text Padraig Carrington and said, well, look, whatever happens now, I'm definitely a wild card pick, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I uh, not really along those lines. But I did. Yeah, I was talking to him after. He's actually. I think he could be here. In, I think he's here in Dubai on holiday. So he texted me on uh, Saturday night um, when they landed to see if the party was still going. But I was, I was heading to bed at that stage. And uh, yeah, um, obviously I'm good friends with Frank and. That's my plan for the next two years is to, to be on that plane going yeah. to Wisconsin with them. Yeah, long overdue. Listen, congratulations. Magic, the papers, as you might imagine, are full of pictures of you and the family on the 18th green today and everybody, it seemed like, was watching it unfold on Saturday. So uh, big, big congratulations. I know kind of a tough couple of years for you, so this gets you back on the map in a big way. So well done. Thanks, Joe. Thanks very much.
Starter kid right here. 